Well, we're going to read the Bible together this morning, and uh, we're reading from John chapter 11, just like last week. Uh, it's page 897 in the Pew Bibles, page 897. Last week we looked at John 11 verses 1 to 16, and this week we're looking at verses 17 to 27. So we're going to read that section together just now. It's page 897 of the Pew Bibles. Uh, John 11, 17 to 27. You'll remember the context. Jesus is going to Lazarus, going to the family. And verse 17 picks up where we left off. This is God's word to us. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this morning. Thank you to the praise group for bringing that piece to us. Uh, we're moving the service around a little bit this morning because of the building project update. Uh, we're going to look at the Bible together now. Uh, but before we do that, let's pray for a moment together. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? He is. Is he worthy of our focus now? Is your word worthy of our focus now? It is. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to come, to, to, that you would come by your spirit and help us understand it and that you would bless it to all of our hearts for we pray in Jesus name Amen uh, John 11 is on page 897 of the Pew Bibles and you'll find it really helpful to have that passage open in front of you last week we finished our time in the first part of John 11 and uh, we said that the stage was set uh, Lazarus is dead the family's in ritual mourning uh, they've said goodbye, they've no hope left at all. Uh, Shakespeare in As You Like It wrote that all the world's a stage and all the men and women are mere, merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. Lazarus has died and has left the stage of the world, but Jesus is about to enter the scene. And the thing about his coming to the family is that he knows better than they ever could. Verses 1 to 16 left us with a few cliffhangers, a few questions dangling in the air, waiting to be answered. 
What will happen to Lazarus? How will the sisters respond? Will they believe in Jesus? Uh, we're going to get a part answer to one of those questions this morning. Uh, as to what happens to Lazarus, we're going to find out in the coming weeks. Uh, we've called this series Goodbye to Goodbyes, but each sermon has its own individual title or point. Last week it was Jesus knows better than we do, and we saw that, saw that through his surprising reaction, his calm authority, and his complete control. What we're going to see this week is that Jesus loves deeper than we do. And that's actually going to be the sermon title this week and next week. This week it's Jesus Loves Deeper Than We Do, part one, if you like. One of our deepest flaws as humans is that we have a very low sense of, of the love of God for us as sinners. It's in part related to our low view of God generally. The church nowadays is in decline because it isn't giving God his rightful place. He is the omnipotent ruler of the universe, the one who has created everything and everyone. Our low sense of God's holiness and power leads us to having a low sense of God's love for us. We so often compare God's love with the human love we experience on a day-to-day -day basis, but that's actually a very bad thing to do because even the greatest expression of human love is stained by sin. And let me give you an example. This is probably one relationship you never expected to hear of ending, but Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog have split up. Now, I have mentioned this in church before, back in 2019. I know because I checked, so you, some of you might remember. But every, everyone's two favorite Muppets are no more. Uh, here's what Miss Piggy said about the breakup. She said, after, thought, after thorough, thoughtful consideration and considerable squabbling, we have made the difficult decision to terminate our romantic relationship. We will continue to work together on television and in all media now known or hereafter devised, in perpetuity throughout the universe. However, our personal lives are now distinct and separate, and we will be seeing other people, pigs, frogs, at all. This is our only comment on this private matter, unless we get the right offer. Thank you for your understanding. It's a really silly example. There are probably better, but, but even the greatest, most famous expression of, of love that we know is stained by sin. But the Bible tells us that Jesus loves deeper than we do. And that is to say that his love goes deeper than we could ever imagine, higher than we could ever dream, wider than we could ever know. We put a low price on that. God's love for us is summarized in Romans 5 verse 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We put, put such a low price on that at times. We're forgetful, broken sinners who, who operate on feelings, feelings that come and go like the wind rather than the eternal truths revealed to us in the Bible. What, what we're going to be reminded of this morning is that Jesus loves deeper than we do. His love for us is, is beautiful and strong, and we'll see that as we look at verses 17 to 27. Just a reminder of what we're doing in this series. We're walking through John 11, doing a deep dive on the chapter. It's essentially a character study on the Lord Jesus. Who better to do a character study on than him? We're just, we're just looking at one story to, to learn more about him, but it's a long story, so we're breaking that up, breaking that up into different chunks. Our passage this morning is John eleven seventeen to 27. Sermon title, Jesus loves deeper than we do. How do we see that in this passage? Well, in these verses, Jesus allows us to pour out our hearts to him. That's the first point. And then secondly, Jesus asks us directly if we believe in him. Let's think about that first point together. Jesus loves deeper than we do, and he allows us to pour out our hearts to him. Let's pick up the story again and read verses 17 to 20. 
We're told, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was, was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. So the funeral is over, the family's in ritual mourning, but Jesus is on his way. Martha is made quietly aware that the Lord was outside Bethany. Now let's just spend a minute or two on the geography and on Jesus' movements here. At 10.40, if you scan your eye back to that verse, chapter 10, verse 40, it tells us that Jesus was across the Jordan at the place where John had been baptizing at first. Now we can assume that that's where Jesus got the message about Lazarus being ill. As we know, he, he waited two days before going to Bethany. Bethany, where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived, was about two miles from Jerusalem. Hence the detail that John includes about many of the Jews visiting and consoling the family. It wasn't that far away for them to travel, so that's why they went to, to, to share their condolences. Anyway, Martha hears that Jesus is coming and she slips out of the house, but Mary stays where she is. Now, a word on Mary, the, the word is pretty simple. We're going to talk about her next week. This week we're focusing on Martha and Martha's interaction with Jesus. So we'll come to Mary next week. But out of the house she goes and there she stands in the dirt road behind her, the shimmer, shimmering countryside in all its heat. Martha's pale, she's grieving, she's weary and she's disheveled. And she's waiting for Jesus. Have you ever had to meet someone about something and you've practiced the first thing you're going to say to them over and over again? Maybe it's a first date. Maybe you've got your opening line. Maybe it's a job interview. You've got your introduction. Martha more than likely had a thousand things she wanted to say to Jesus. But here's what comes out first. You can read it in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That, that refrain had probably come from Mary and Martha's lips over the previous days. When do you think he'll get here? Do you think he, do you think he got the message? He, he surely can't be that far away now. He's coming and once he's here, Lazarus is gonna, it's going to be okay. Lazarus, Lazarus will be fine. And an interesting question to ask is, when would the sisters have realized that Jesus wasn't coming? that he wasn't going to be in time, that their brother was going to die. It's hard to know how to, how to read the tone of what Martha says to Jesus in verse 21. could be angry. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Although I think that's unlikely. The tone could have been one of confidence, especially in light of what Martha says in verse 22. I'm actually probably somewhere in the middle. I think the tone is one of broken-hearted resignation, if that's a tone. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But Martha continues in verse 22. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Verse 21 almost reads as a reproof to the Lord. And it's as though in verse 22 that Martha catches herself on and decides that she needs to sound a little bit more orthodox. For, for us, for you, Verse 21 might be an appropriate summary of your feelings towards God at the moment or in the not-too-distant past. You ever asked any of these kinds of questions? Where, where were you, Lord? You came too late. Where, where were you when my loved one died? Where were you when I was cheated out of that promotion in work? Where were you when my child went off the rails? Where, where were you when 
My life felt like it was falling apart. Here's what you need to see in this section. Jesus did not reprove Martha for her words. He allows us to pour out our hearts to him. What we're seeing here is that it's not sinful to tell God how you feel. Now that might sound like outright heresy because of some of the things that you've learned over the years and there is a qualification to make which is that we should always be reverent towards God. He is God, we are his creatures, but that doesn't mean we're not allowed to express how we feel to him. Some of us have feelings that really should be shared with God. The feelings are necessarily right, but they're feelings that need to be brought to him. But sometimes we don't do that, possibly because we fear that we might lose his love Yet God is more patient and accepting than we realize. Je- Jesus loves deeper than we do. The, the problem here is caused by, uh, by the misconception that, that New Testament Christianity requires good Christians never to cry or express their inner feelings. If that was the case, I mean, I really just don't know what it would mean for me. You know me well enough by now to know that I just cry at the drop of a hat. But, you know, you read the Psalms or the stories about some of the great followers of God in the Old Testament. Sometimes they cried. Sometimes they lamented. Sometimes they said, why? Sometimes they said, how long, O Lord, is this going to go on for? The the, the truth is that God wants us to pour out our hearts to him. Psalm 62, verse 8 says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. The point there is that you can pour out your heart because God is your refuge. And that's what Jesus allows Martha to do, pour out her heart. And in turn, as well as that, he allows us to pour out our hearts to him as well. He loves us deeper than we, than, he loves deeper than we do. He's, he's really amazing. When we cry, why or how long or where were you when, he doesn't flash back at us. Don't you dare question my authority. He's not, a, not an angry, strict headmaster in the sky. No, Jesus allows us to, to, to pour out our hearts to him because he loves deeper than we do. How else do we see that, that sort of title point in this passage? He loves deeper than we do. We've seen it, first of all, through the fact that he allows us to pour out our hearts to him. The second thing we see is that is that Jesus asks us directly if we believe in him. Look at verses 23 and 24. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. In response to what Martha has said to him, Jesus turns her mind to the resurrection. Your brother will rise again. Martha, I think at this point, snaps and she says, well, do you know, I actually know a little bit about the resurrection But what about now? I am grieving, I am weary, I am disheveled. What about now? What are you you going to do for me now? In response to that, Jesus says these amazing words, verses 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. This is the the sixth great I am statement recorded in the book of John. This whole story is the seventh sign, but this is the sixth I am statement. Basically, John really liked the number seven and dotted lots of sevens across his gospel. Seven, of course, is the number of perfection in the Bible. So there are seven signs, there are seven I am sayings. 
to show that Jesus is the perfect saviour. It's actually very clever. But this is an incredible statement from Jesus. It's one that we're very familiar with, nearly too familiar with. We read the statement, but we, we read the statement, but we didn't read the question. So let's do that. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What a question this is. Can you imagine being put on the spot by none other than Jesus and then having your answer recorded in the Bible? The question is a great evangelistic text. Uh, we had that short series at the beginning of January on questions God asks. This is a great question. The, the thing about it is, is that the question echoes down from the time when it was first asked to now. So every time you hear this passage, read, read this passage yourself, the question rings out, do you believe this? Do you believe this? You, you go to a funeral and the minister reads the passage. The question goes out to everyone gathered in, do you believe this? Through the pages of scripture and, and although centuries have passed since this story, Jesus asks us directly if we believe in him. Now what does Martha say? Well, if Jesus' words in verses 25 and 26 were incredible, Martha's response and confession of faith aren't far behind. Look at what she says in verse 27. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Martha has been tested with grief and loss. She's weary, disheveled. She's been all over the place emotionally, to the extent that she maybe even thought that Jesus had abandoned her. But here she allows her saviour to bring her forth as gold refined in the fire. Her confession of faith is up there with Peter's in Matthew 16. Martha is a remarkable woman. But what we're seeing here is that even the most spiritual, faithful believers suffer difficulties and ask the hard questions. Jesus, though, loves deeper than we do. Deeper than we could ever imagine higher than we could ever dream, wider than we could ever know. We put such a low price on his love, but where would we be without it or without him? Back to the question in verse 26. Do you believe this? How, how would you describe the question? What kind of question is it? Is it a straight question? As in it requires a yes or no, yes or no answer? Is it an open-ended question, as in Jesus is looking for an essay back? Is it a trick question? Is he trying to trip Martha up? Well, we can say that it's not a trick question. It's probably not open-ended either. It is straight and direct and requires a simple answer. But how else can we describe it? Well, it's a loving question. It's a loving question. The question Jesus asks at the end of verse 26 is a loving question. It's loving for this reason. He does not want you to perish. He didn't want Martha to perish. Her greatest need when Jesus asked her this question was not that her brother would be brought back to life. It was that she would believe in Jesus. And that's your greatest need as well, if you don't know him. And he asks you this, he asks you this loving question. Do you sitting here in Bucknà this morning, believe this. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? He asks you directly if you believe in him. 
Now, this is the most important question in all the world. We're, we're going to talk about the building project in a moment. There are important, interesting questions, and we'll hopefully be able to answer some of them. But the question of whether or not you believe in Jesus is just so much more important and so much more significant. That's because trusting in him and believing in him is what will help you when the tough times come. That's because trusting in him and believing in him is what will help you when the time comes, the time for you to die. Jesus loves deeper than we do. And out of his deep love and heart for sinners, he asks you directly this morning, do you believe this? Jesus loves doubters, skeptics, all-out rebels, good Presbyterians who come to church every Sunday but who aren't saved. His love is deeper and higher and wider than we could ever dream. For grandeur and simplicity, for pathos and solemnity, nothing was ever written like this story. It's gripping, it's dramatic, and it tells us so much about our kind Savior, the Lord Jesus. He knows better than we do, and he loves deeper than we do. He's worth trusting, worth believing in, worth following. The stage is still set. There's quite a lot still to happen in this story. We've just about hit the halfway mark. We've got some answers, but not all of them. What will happen to Lazarus? Well, we still don't know. How will the sisters react when Jesus finally arrives? We find out how Martha has reacted, but what about Mary? More on her next week. And will the family believe in Jesus? Well, Martha has made this beautiful confession through a veil of tears. What about you, though? I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? You know the thing about those words of Jesus? He looked to the 28th of January, 2024, as he spoke those words. Whoever believes in me, down through the ages of human history, though he die, yet shall he live. The most important question for you now and always, if you haven't believed or don't know Christ, is the question that comes directly from Jesus himself. Do you believe this? Jesus loves deeper than we do, and he allows us to pour out our hearts to him. But he asks you directly if you believe in him. So will you believe, if you haven't already, in the one who has the power to say goodbye to goodbyes forever? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing love for us. We thank you for all that the Lord Jesus has done, for how he has died on the cross to take away our sins. We thank you that he loves us deeper than we could ever know, that his love for us extends higher than we could ever imagine, and that it, it's wider as well than we could ever dream. Father, we're, we're more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we realize at times. We, we put such a low price on your love for us. But help us to rest in what you have done for us and, and in how you view us. And we pray for those who haven't believed. And Lord, as the question has rung out of this passage again this morning, 
we pray that you would come by your spirit and bring people to trust in Jesus for the first time. Father, continue with us as we think about other matters, the building project. Help us and continue to be with us by your spirit. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.